Governor Holcomb urging Hoosiers to wear masks and pressing pause on parts of the state's reopening plan. But what about the Indy 500 and the plan to invite fans back when IndyCar drivers return? We'll hear from the governor, Mayor Joe Hogsett, IMS President Doug Bowles, and the Indy Star columnist who says the 500 with fans is a bad idea. Plus the latest on police reform and Senator Mike Braun's bill on police immunity. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. With cases surging nationwide, the big news in Indianapolis came Thursday that masks or other face coverings will be mandatory in Indianapolis and Marion County starting next week on the 9th. This as the state continues to urge Hoosiers to wear masks, stopping short at the state level of an outright requirement. Our Russ McQuaid has more. Indiana and Marion County continue to hold their own and show slight but steady progress in the battle against the coronavirus. Marion County's daily positive test rate, according to the State Department of Health, is 13.4%, half of what it was during the early days of the pandemic. The fatality rate has stayed in the single-digit range for the past month. As a result, Mayor Hogsett says he will follow Governor Holcomb's Stage 4.5 back-on-track plan which continues restrictions on bars and restaurant seating, cultural and outdoor event attendance, and public gathering spaces. And when you leave the house a week from today, the mayor says, mask up. Effective July 9th, the Marion County Public Health Department will be requiring face coverings for residents when they are out in public. There is a growing consensus that wearing face coverings and practicing smart, smart social distancing will be the key to allowing our city to continue edging forward in the weeks and months ahead. The mayor says if you're out in your car or alone in your office or just walking around or running and you're away from people, no mask. On the other hand, he's counting on social pressure to convince everybody that this is the way to go. Dr. Kane, the Marion County Public Health Director says, that there will be fines levied against businesses and individuals who don't adhere to the mask wearing guidelines. In downtown Indianapolis, Russ McQuaid. GOP Chair Cindy Kirkhoffer said in a statement she believes masks are an important measure, but added, quote, if Mayor Hogsett says masks will save lives on July 9th, why wait until then? She says, I fear this isn't about protecting our neighbors, but about protecting his political career. Now, the mayor's announcement coming a day after Governor Eric Holcomb announced the state would not advance fully into stage five of his plan to reopen our economy, with the governor pressing pause on some aspects of that plan ahead of the holiday weekend, instead calling it stage 4.5, as you just heard from Russ. Here's Kayla Sullivan with more from the state house. Data is driving this decision, not just data from Indiana, but data from states across the country. Governor Eric Holcomb says this virus is on the prowl, and that's one reason we're not moving to stage five. Instead, he created a stage 4.5. So what does that mean? That means there will be a temporary pause on increasing capacity in restaurant, dining rooms, bars, and entertainment venues. This is because the number of COVID-19 patients hospitalized and admitted daily has increased during the past week. The daily positivity rate has also ticked up slightly. This stage 4.5 is looking like it will last until July 17th, but that could change. This virus is on the prowl 
and in some places it's gaining momentum. It's not slowing down. That spread is not slowing down. It's just doing the doing the opposite. The state played a public service announcement during this press conference encouraging Hoosiers to wear masks in public. Each leader in the video shared why they wore their mask. State Health Commissioner Dr. Box says wearing a mask is going to play a crucial role in moving to a new normal. Now this isn't necessarily a scaling back of opening. This is rather just a pause on opening new things, according to the governor. Now, if you'd like a list of everything that's opening up this weekend, you can head to our website. There's a link right on there. Reporting from the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. Kayla, thanks. Meantime, this reaction from candidate for Governor Woody Myers, who said with his decision to move forward beyond phase four, Governor Holcomb is, in Myers' words, putting Hoosiers at increased risk to contract COVID-19. We need to focus, Myers says, on implementing a statewide mask order and encourage Hoosier, Hoosiers to stay home. Meantime, this week, the governor was also asked about the Indy 500, with IMS planning to bring fans in for the race next month at 50% capacity. This as IMS and NASCAR drivers hit the track this weekend with no fans in the stands. Here's how the governor answered that question. How do you feel about the Indy 500 going ahead with possibly more than 150,000 people and the state fairgrounds playing a month-long festival, even though the state fair has been called off, don't those type of events run the risk of being super super spreaders for the virus? You know, the IMS, not just, I mean, forever, but to date during this pandemic has been extremely thoughtful and thorough and fan-centric, especially when it comes to safety. We always think about this being a safe place for the drivers. Well, this year, they have just underscored time and time again. We're not having fans at the races this uh, this weekend. Um, so they they made the right decision for them, uh, obviously, um, before we did. And uh, I will say about the Indianapolis 500 in August, scheduled August 23rd, um, again, weeks away, um, but that is a massive piece of property. You can fit a lot of different uh, sports venues and, and physically distance out there. But again, there's some time before we get there. So we still have seven or eight weeks to go, and I'm sure those conversations will continue. You literally could put 15 Lucas Oil stadiums in the entire buildings inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It gives you an idea of our scope, but even reducing it uh, in half is a significant number, of, uh, a significant number of folks that we can disperse throughout the facility uh, and begin to make it uh, significantly more comfortable for those guests to come. All right, so a lot of reaction already to that plan at IMS. Indy Star columnist James Briggs wrote about it this week, calling it a, quote, Recipe for Disaster, in a column on IndyStar.com. James Briggs joins us now. James, thanks for being with us. You spoke with a, a number of medical experts. What did they tell you about the plans as they exist right now for the Indianapolis 500 in August? So what I heard over and over again is that any number of fans is dangerous, and that's because sports stadiums are uniquely risky uh, for the way that COVID-19 spreads. We hear a lot about six feet of social distancing, well, that rule doesn't really apply when people are yelling or screaming or talking loudly, and those are the types of activities that happen at a sporting event. Also, when you're at a sporting event, you're sitting in the same place for several hours, so if someone near you is infected, that's much more time uh, for you to get infected yourself. Um, another key factor is alcohol is at play uh, in a sporting event, particularly the Indianapolis 500. That tends to reduce someone's sense of risk. Uh, people who drink 
talk louder, they get closer to one another. And also really the most concerning thing here is when you're talking about more than 100,000 people, some of them are coming from outside of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Indianapolis has a low infection rate for COVID-19, but almost certainly with that number of people, uh, some of them would be coming from places that have a higher infection rate. That's a risk not only on race day at the racetrack, but in hotels and restaurants and out in the community before and after the race. As we just heard from the mayor and governor, there's a lot of time still to the race. You asked Mayor Hogshead about this at a press conference this week. You just heard what the governor had to say as well. There really seem to be a lot of layers to this situation politically with state and city leaders ultimately having the final say. Who will have the final say on this question? I, I, I was interested in a phrase Governor Holcomb used uh, referring to the race events this weekend. He said IMS made the right decision before we had to. I think in the case of Governor Holcomb, Mayor Hogg said, I think they're hoping that happens again and that race officials make the right decision and they don't have to get involved because uh, the Indianapolis 500 is a world famous event. Sure. And when you're an elected official, you don't want to step in, even though it might be the right thing to do and say, this is not an event that is responsible to hold. Uh, I mean, I, I've heard from people since my column ran who literally told me they would risk their lives to go to the Indianapolis 500. Um, it, it's it's that big of an event. People feel it emotionally. It's part of the identity here. So if you're a governor, if you're a mayor, to come out and make a decision yourself and say, we don't want this event, uh, that's a really risky move politically. And I think they're probably hoping IMS will look at the uh, look at the data, look at the risks that the public health officials that I talked to see and make that decision themselves that maybe yeah. it's not a good idea to have more than 100,000 people in one venue right now. The mayor also saying this week that any sporting events uh, of 1,000 people or more would have to submit a health plan uh, to the Marion County Health Department. So we'll see what happens. Uh, James, thank you so much. We, we all hope certainly that the race can run in some form or fashion as a lot of people think about safety here as well. We appreciate your time today. Thanks. Well, coming Thank up you. next this Sunday in Focus, we're talking about the national attention on Senator Mike Braun and his bill dealing with police immunity. And later, could websites that look like real news actually be something much more problematic? We'll take a closer look coming up. Okay, time to talk with our panel now. Joining us this week, Laura Beck, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. And uh, let's start with Democratic strategist Laura Beck today. Laura, obviously a lot of talk uh, this past week about mask mandates. Indianapolis mm -hmm. Mayor Joe Hogsett requiring masks next week starting on the 9th. The governor says it's up to local cities. I'm going to get your thoughts here on the mayor and the governor's approach to this big topic. Well, thanks, Dan. It's um, great to see you all. And uh, if you look in the back in that little white container there, that's where I have all of my masks that I wear. They all go there with very go. different outfits. So <laughs> um, being uh, you can wear your mask and look nice at the same time. Um, it's not going to kill you. Uh, I think that the governor and the mayor are both taking the appropriate steps for this. Um, I think they both are working in a bipartisan way. Um, and I was really heartened over uh, this past week to see uh, Governor Holcomb's approach to this. Um, I think it's very reasonable. I think it's very measured. And I think that Mayor Hogsett's doing the exact same thing. It makes sense for the governor to um, leave it up to communities, uh, especially because Indiana is a very different state. What is what you're seeing in southern Indiana, you may not be seeing in Indianapolis. Um, and I think Mayor Hogsett's making the right decision. I think what they both are looking at is this uh, surge in cases all around the country, and they're trying to prevent it from happening here. So if that means we have to wear a mask um, to prevent that, then 
that is good common sense for all of us moving forward. Health experts have said, look, this shouldn't be a political issue. But Mike, turning to you next, it does seem as if politically there's been a, a lot of movement in recent days from leading Republicans in Washington, D.C., uh, encouraging the use of masks nationwide. Well, there have been. They seem to be kind of uh, pushing uh, President Trump away, at least at arm's length. And, for example, McConnell, the leader of the Senate, um, has come out wearing masks and saying, yes, it is advisable. You should wear a mask. Um, here locally, of course, you have different reactions. You have uh, Mayor Hogsett issuing the order today. But then up in Noblesville, for example, uh, the new Mayor Jensen's going ahead with fireworks and a parade on July 4th weekend. And so uh, every city is going to be a little bit different. Obviously, Indianapolis is very different because of its density. Uh, Robin, I want to talk to you about this as well. Uh, Democratic uh, candidate for governor, Woody Myers, saying he thinks the governor should mandate masks across the state. Well, Woody's a, a doctor. He helped us get through the AIDS crisis. Um, he has been the state health commissioner. He's been the health commissioner of the city of San Francisco and the city of New York. And I would think I'd take the learned opinion of a doctor here in our state who understands this pandemic over uh, other folks who are putting political things first. The, the governor and the mayor, though, have made the right decision to make sure that people realize this is serious enough that we scale back from going to step five in the governor's case and wearing masks in the mayor's case. This is very, very serious. Uh, Tony, your thoughts on all this, the differing views uh, to the extent that there are differing views on this, uh, the mayor, the governor, the president, and on down? Yeah, well, I, I, I would say that everything about this pandemic has been politicized from the start, and that's a shame. Uh, I think the mask wearing has also been politicized. I wear my mask whenever I go out to, to the grocery store or, or anywhere. Really went out to dinner the other night and, and didn't wear one uh, because we have to eat, so I'm not sure. Uh, what the rule is on on restaurants, but it has been politicized, and um, you know, going forward, I just hope uh, we get this resolved before uh, football season. That's the important thing, uh, I think, for most of us. Um, but we'll see. You know, I'm not saying don't wear a mask, but I, I think it is infringing on our, our personal liberties, and um, and that's scary. You know, let's uh, go through this for another few weeks. But um, you know, as far as the uh, COVID nineteen uh, rates going up, hospitalizations are not going up, deaths are not going up, deaths are going in the other direction. We've got better therapeutics, and and uh, hopefully we've got a we've got a vaccine on the way. Laura, we'll I want you to respond to that as well. The, the thought of this infringing on liberties, because it's likely we we may see more protests as, as we've seen in the past. Uh, what's your response to that? Well, um, probably not one that Tony's going to like, and I could see the look on Robin's face as this came across. Um, we're in a really uncharted territory right now because we are learning about this virus every single day and we're learning more about the virus every single day. And I think at some point in time, we have to look around us and look at what the greater good is. And if the greater good means that I, Laura Beck, wear a mask or my somebody else who's 30 years old put a mask on so I don't infect someone else who can infect my parents or can infect somebody else who's older or frankly, somebody else who may have an underlying health condition we don't know about, um, then I think we have to look at ourselves a little deeper to say, maybe what I need to do is look at myself and maybe I need to look at what's the better part for society as opposed to it's all about me all the time. 
also how about, to... this? How, how about we we make sure people aren't writing i'm sure that's spreading and nobody on the democrat side wants to talk about all the writing and the looting and the and the uh okay I mean, this is a great way for no. you to conversation about it and because i'm sure that's spreading that's, that's spreading the virus as well uh, robin that's robin offensive to with that it robin really you is. had some robin, thoughts there as well first off they were rallies tony they were not riots. And and Let me finish, please. Let me finish. They were riots, Tony. Not, I mean, they were not riots. They were protests. So listen, when your guys showed up with, with, M with M4s and AR-15s in front of the governor's residence, nobody talked about that. And that was armed people there saying, open our state back up. Now we're saying, no, let's not open our state back up. Let's be rational and let's not politicize this. And let's make sure that we take care of public health. Let's we listen to the people that and matter. I'm also doing both, and and I think uh, our governor is doing both, and I think at the national level, uh, Republicans are trying to do both. But I you've got you've got a, a, hip, a lot of hypocrisy going on, and we saw it in full display over the last few weeks. All right, we're going to have to leave it there and talk a lot more about that uh, down the road. Uh, I, I also work, got to work in another topic here on Senator. Mike Braun's bill dealing with police immunity in the wake of this conversation uh, about police reform. He more or less pulled that bill late this week. He had a lot of negative feedback from police unions. There was the contentious interview with Tucker Carlson on Fox News with a lot of pressure, it seems, on Braun's right flank on this topic. Mike, I'll turn to you. What do you make of how this all went down? Well, the problem is that, I mean, I have to give uh, Braun a little bit of space. He's a first-term senator. Um, he put together a bill. He didn't even bother to talk to anybody in the law enforcement community nationwide or in Indiana. And when uh, uh, Steve Luce from the Indiana Sheriff's Association and his lobbyist, Mike Bieberstein from Frost Brown Todd, discovered it, they, they called him on it and said, how could you do this without talking to us? So there were a couple of phone calls. Uh, Senator Braun provided some answers in writing, which the law enforcement community still was not happy with. And then uh, yesterday morning, I think it was, they had a call with Senator uh, Braun and they said, please hold your own bill. And to his credit, he agreed to okay. pull his bill. Uh, Robin, uh, 30 seconds. So your reaction to it before we run out of time here. Well, it was the first initial. Initially, it was great. Obviously, politics came to play. Mike just mentioned that. We cannot afford to let this drag on and drag on. Remember, when you're talking about liability, we, the taxpayers, are the ones that shelve that bill when something's done wrong. Okay. We got to leave it there. A lot to talk about this week. Robin, Tony, Mike, Laura, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Coming up next, this Sunday in Focus, how websites that look like real news could actually be something much different. The impact some of these websites are having this election year. Up next. A lot of websites have popped up in recent years that try to look like local news with names that might sound like the name of a local newspaper, but instead, in many cases, it's politically motivated or politically funded content designed to look like local news. Our Kayla Sullivan spoke with some of our political experts about the issues this could cause in these highly partisan times. Indiana Business Daily, Hoosier State Today, and the Indy Standard. They sound like any other credible news source. If you look closer, there are some differences. These sites don't pass the smell test as far as I'm concerned. They seem to be politically motivated. 
if not politically funded, uh, websites that are masquerading as local news outlets. A quick online search leads to the parent company of these sites, Metric Media LLC. It's created hundreds of sites across the country, most in the last two years. Sites like Indiana Business Daily, which has been targeting the race for Indiana Attorney General with its posts lately. The articles may list an author, but you can't find anything about the person. Other times, it just sources a press release or the company's name. It's dangerous when voters don't know the difference and voters don't take the time to research these outlets on their own because they just want to believe the news that they want to believe. I contacted every email and phone number I could find from Metric Media, their Facebook pages, and even messaged people who claim to be writers on Twitter with the same name as these authors, but haven't heard back from anyone. If they're real, they will respond. You'll be able to find a, a trail behind them. They probably have their own website and certainly have their own social media sites where they're sharing the stories that they're doing. They're sharing what they're talking about. Dr. Laura Wilson is a professor of political science at the University of Indianapolis. She's constantly telling her students about the importance of verifying information. With this company, what's really concerning is they use local names. So they're trying to pass it off as community news, which is oftentimes seen by people as being more authentic, more verifiable. Wilson recommends getting information from multiple news outlets. You can contact candidates yourself or head to nonpartisan informational voting websites. A lot of this comes down to the voter. He says they need to do their due diligence to find what's credible and what's not. Kayla Sullivan, Fox 59 News. As always, you can find more content, more resources on our website. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Hope you had a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. We'll have much more coming up on Fox News Sunday, Face the Nation, and on our podcast. We'll see you again right here next Sunday in Focus.